0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since nineteen eighty nine. Their whole life. I wanna know I wanna know their life. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes I go far more than ten minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll take
0: you know, ten hours time they have, I'll take, you know, thirty minutes to an hour, because if you listen to people and they feel that you'll take the time to hear them out, then, then trust begins to build. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down and do a Bible study, it's nice to, to realize the first one, you're not going to get super in-depth into the Bible Scriptures. It's tough to do that unless you have a good two-hour set aside. time. You have two hours, take a good chunk in the beginning and to know them, share some of your life, and then open the Scriptures to them. Amen? All right. So uh, the first study that we have in our list is called Knowing God. And this one is a Bible study designed to help us have a faith in who Jesus really is. Most people in our culture, they say about 75% of our culture says they know about Jesus. Maybe more than that. 80% – 75 to 80% claim some form of Christian connection, some form of Christian upbringing in America. Okay, this is in America. Now, I've been, I've been out on the campus at UCLA sharing my faith over the past two, three, three weeks. And I would say 50% of the people are telling me that they're agnostic. And what, what that means is by the time you're in college – uh, agnostic is you, you believe in God, but you don't know what you believe. You're not sure if it, it even can be known, right? You kind of take this intellectual view, well, there's probably a God, but I, nobody can quite figure out who or what he's all about. And I think most of those people were, like me, they did actually have uh, an upbringing with some faith in Jesus, but they haven't explored it in depth, and now their life is sort of going on tangents, and they're not ready to say what they believe. That's fine. Or That's normal. Most people really don't know Jesus as well as they think they do, right? Most people certainly don't. Uh, If they have very, so what I would say is in your first, as you hear their background story, okay, if they grew up in a church and, you know, like Richard, they were giving their tithes since age seven, right, and their whole life has been in church, they probably know Jesus to some degree pretty well. And so you, at that point, you, you may not necessarily have to go through the Knowing Jesus study. Although I would say it's very inspiring. All right? And so I want to open up our Bibles. And so I'll tell you what I normally do. If you look on the study from, from the Knowing Jesus study, it begins in uh, John 1. And so I want to open up to John chapter 1. Of course, when you do the Bible study, let me give you some practicals. You, it's better to not have more than maybe two, two disciples in the church with a friend, maybe three at the most. If you have too many people sitting in a Bible study with somebody who's just exploring, they feel a little bit ganged up on it. It feels like uh, uh, they're, they're, you know, you're trying to train them, but they feel like, why are you guys all about me? And it's much you want it to be very personal. Okay? Number two, I usually don't bring out a printed study like the way I gave you right now. I wouldn't bring that out. And here's why I don't bring that out. Nobody wants to feel like they're put into a program, right? Nobody wants to feel like they're fit into a system. People care about relationship and they want authenticity. So I want to recommend that what you do if you're studying with somebody is that the sheet. You know, we have the little print up on our phone. If you want to pull your phone up, so they can't really see it, and you're looking at it as. You're, but I want you to handwrite the scriptures. I want you to handwrite the things down in a, in a little notepad. One of the best things to do is give them, you know, back in the day, we always say, hey, buy them a Bible. These days, everybody has a Bible. I, mean, I use my phone, so. <laughs> they still would appreciate a Bible, I'm sure. But you can always buy them a little journal. As, as you begin to study with, hey, I got a journal for it, a little notebook. And you take the notes in there, and it's nice to have somebody taking the notes. Uh, while you're discussing the scriptures. All right? So these are basic things we've heard before, but I want to remind you they're very helpful. Remember that no one wants to be put into a program they want to feel connected to. So it's best if you're going to sit with a friend and study, To I would recommend that you're, you, you know, you're reading from your phone or if you, you handwrite the scriptures in the journal uh, as you go along. Or if you, can't have, if you don't have them memorized, just write them down ahead of time. Say, hey, I took the time to write down, these are the verses we're going to look at today. And that makes a big difference. Okay. Any questions about that? Any questions about doing that? Okay. Um, so let's go on and read John. And then what I usually do, of course, we pray as a, as a group while one of us will pray. And then it's, it's, it's just fun to, each person will take a turn reading the scripture. And for a lot of people, they, they're just not used to doing this. So getting the chance to read is awesome. So let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. We're going to read from the Knowing uh, Jesus study. All right, we're going to read John chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. All right, so can I get a volunteer in here to read John? Ch- stand up, and here as a class, you get a chance to publicly read. So who would like to read John 1, verse 1 through 6, uh, public reading? All right, go ahead, stand up, public reading, verse 1 through 6. And what version of the Bible do you have NID. on there? NID. fine. Okay, go right ahead.
1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is what God was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was light, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was God. Right,
0: and read verse 14 also. down to verse 14. The word
1: came flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Came from the Father, full of grace and truth. truth.
0: Okay, so I love this verse. Uh, I usually spend a little bit of time on John chapter one, introducing people, and 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 I'll I'll tell you what I say on this. If you can see the notes right there, uh, in the notes it says you know to ask about what grace is, uh, ask what truth is, and you do want to be getting uh, people's opinions on what they think the scriptures are saying. At the very least, you can say, hey, what do you hear this saying? Right? What do you hear this saying? And then you can ask these questions. What is true? I like to ask this question, and I went through all the groups, and I did this little Bible study for almost all the groups. It was a simple question. If you look in John chapter 1, verse uh, 2, it says, He was with God in the beginning. And I was asked, well, who's the He? And we know that He is Jesus. And it says, so Jesus was with God in the, in the beginning, and I want to always bring this into the concept. I say, do you realize that the, the Son... The Father, God chose to reveal Himself as a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it says He was with God in the beginning. You know, that's all, I only had twenty-five copies, uh, so maybe you can share with each other if you don't have a copy. But here's an important question to ask: If if, if it says Jesus is with God since the beginning, then how important are relationships to God? What's the implication? How important are relationships to God? The most important, because He chooses to reveal Himself to the human race through relationship. Right? He was with God, the Father, Father and Son. Implication being that even as you begin to study the Bible, don't emphasize just the head knowledge or your your, your grand theological background. What, what matters is is relationship, is friendship. And God wants to connect with us. That's, that's God's mission is to know us and connect with us and, and to be connected to all people. And that was his, his plan from the very beginning. All right. Now, also what I do in John chapter one, as it goes on and it talks about, um, you know, who he is, it says he's, he's, you know, he's incredible. He brings truth and grace. And so you do want to ask people, OK, what do you think truth is? And you can get, you know, don't get sidetracked. OK, intellectual people will sidetrack you. All right, easily sidetrack you on what truth is and what grace is You want to keep them moving You don't want to get too sidetracked uh, Getting down uh, intellectual discussions about different things all right? So in the Knowing Jesus study I'm not going to go through the whole thing right here all right? You, can, you can study through it The emphasis of the Knowing Jesus is to help people grasp Jesus is the Son of God all right? Jesus is worth following Jesus is incredible And in the study we have the I am statements listed there God calls himself I am in the Old Testament, meaning he, he's the constant, he's the source of life, he's the creator of life. But then Jesus uses the same words, I am, multiple times to show his constant qualities as he describes himself. And there's multiple, uh, you've you got to figure out what, what's most powerful for you, what's meaningful to you. In John chapter 6, uh, verse 35, let's go ahead and read just that one. One of you read John. Let's have we stand and read John six verse thirty-five. We'll do one more verse from this, and then I want to go into this, the seeking God. All right, John chapter six, verse thirty-five. Let me have one of you guys stand up and read that. Hey, Mom. The
1: next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look, the Lamb of God."
0: Okay.
2: Yes,
1: thirty-five.
0: 35. 35. Oh, sorry. sorry.
1: sorry. sorry. I'm the next day, John there. Then Jesus declares, "I am the bread of life." okay. It's okay. No problem. Go so, ahead and try again, Mom. We love you. John Thank six verse thirty-five. No problem. Then <laughs> Jesus said, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be." Thirsty. All right. I
0: am the bread of life. Right. We all know we need food to sustain us, but the scriptures teach elsewhere that, of course, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so a great question to ask somebody when you read this is, what are some things that the human soul hungers for? And so let me ask you guys this. What do you think are some of the crucial things that our souls really Yearned for. What are some things we yearn for? Acceptance. Acceptance. All mm-hmm. right. Peace. Peace. And people are not. They're not filled with peace. They're filled with. They're frustrated and difficult and, and anxious. Right. Right here. Love. Our, our soul yearns for for love. There's a uh, a scripture that says, "What a man desires is unfailing love." Yes. Um, relationships. Relationships. Yeah. Like we said in the beginning, we do desire relationships and. Um, People can relate to this. It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the world. It doesn't matter how much have, how how wealthy you look. It, even the most famous people in the world, sometimes the, the wealthiest people, are the most unhappy people if your relationships aren't in harmony. Okay? So, yes, we desire that. And then there, there's more, too. But there's more. You've missed a couple. What, what else do our soul hunger for? Okay, Relationships, peace. There's a couple that you've not put in there. Emma. Emma. What? Kindness. Kindness, yes. Unity. Unity, yes, I agree, we want that. It's a big one. Purpose. Purpose. Thank you, Francine. Purpose. We want to know our lives Unity. have meaning. And Jesus gives our life meaning. All right? And so what I normally do is I try to inspire them with how amazing Jesus is, uh, sharing a few things about him, and then ask them to, do, to go ahead and read the book of John. If they don't have a good knowledge of who Jesus really is, I'm going to ask them to please go and, and read the book of John, taking notes on the things that uh, strike you as unique in the book of John. All right. The reason the book of John is because in John chapter 20 verse 30 it says he actually wrote the book so that we would believe who Jesus really is. All right. And it's designed to <laughs> inspire us. It's historical. Another thing, let me bring up with you right now. A lot of people just they don't really believe the Bible. They don't even know why should they read the Bible. And I, I will, if they're having trouble with that, and they, they, they're, they're like, I don't know why I should trust the Bible, I will try to answer questions on the Bible itself, right? Jesus, he's the source of light. He is the truth, right? And he is grace. How do we know what truth is? And so I'll go into a little background on on how do we know what truth is? How can we trust the Bible? I'll give you guys a, a few things I, I usually to share, okay uh, The Bible uh, was written in three different languages over a period of 1,500 years. It used 40 different authors to talk about the most sensitive relational issues in, you know in humanity. Imagine getting forty people from all walks of life you no know, fishermen doctors, lawyers, all these different people from all these nationalities in a room talking about the most difficult human issues you've ever imagined, do you think they would all agree? Of course not. There would be a lot of conflict. And yet the Bible fits together seamlessly because it's not written by a man, it's written by God. And it does take some faith to believe that, it does take faith to believe that, but you begin to get that faith when you look at the evidence and the history behind it. One of the things I also help people realize is that it is a proven fact that the Bible has not been altered. It's proven. A lot of people think, well, how can you trust it? It's 2,000 years old. It's been altered over the, over the ages. And they like a lot of people like to say, okay, the telephone game. Uh, if you whisper something to somebody's ear, and the next person whispers it to the next person, by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's going to be different. And so how can we trust the Bible? It's been translated and passed down. Well, I tell people, listen, have you ever thought that? You know, you ask them, do I ever think that? And a lot of people do think that. I have to be honest, I thought that. It's like, how can you really trust it? How could I... This is just man translating it down through the ages. It's not what it actually says. And yet, history has proven that that's just not true. It is without question... We're reading the same words today as they read 2,000 years ago. And that is not in question. That's a fact. And people go, how do you know? I have a couple reasons I know. One of the cool things is we actually have Bibles. We actually have a complete Bible in the library in London uh, dating to the year 300 A.D. Handwritten in Greek. It's sitting there. If you can read Greek, you can read it I mean, all the way back to 300 AD. So it's not like it's been changed. We actually have the thing dating back that far. We actually have uh, the most ancient manuscript is called the Ryland's Manuscript. It dates back to about 100 AD, which is roughly the life, the lifetime of some of the apostles are still there. The Ryland's Manuscript,
1: Ryland.
0: it's a small piece of the book of John. It's a little tiny piece. It's in the, You can Google it, Ryland's Manuscript, and you'll see it come up, a picture of it. And it's and it, and it carbon dated to 100 A.D. So, wow, that means that's about when when uh, Jesus, you know, he'd only left, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, seven years before that, roughly. Okay, and the guys who wrote it were still alive. Some of them were still alive, so we know it hasn't changed. Number two, the greatest discovery of the past 100 years in 1940, I think it was 1949. Yeah, The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And the Dead Sea Scrolls were these manuscripts of the Bible found in these little clay jars in a cave in the Middle East. And what had happened is when they pulled them out and they read them, they had the complete book of of Isaiah in there. A lot of different manuscripts from the Bible were in there, The, the most famous of which was the whole book of Isaiah. Now, up to that time in life, the oldest manuscript of the book of Isaiah that existed, I believe, dated to 900 A.D., so, well, you know, 1,100 years ago. We, had a, we actually had documents in museums of the book of Isaiah dated to the year, you know, 900 A.D. But, you know, this manuscript they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls was dated, they carbon dated it to, I think, something like 200 or so B.C. So, 1,100 years earlier. And when they matched the two up, they I identical. Which proved, I mean, there was a few little dotted I's or cross T's that maybe were slightly different. But for all historians, it, they were identical. There was no change. Which proved, it proved how good a career these scribes were in, in They didn't need photocopy machines. They just had handwriting. And they just did it excellently. It hadn't changed. 1,100 years had not changed what the Bible says. And, and there's many other things that prove, and all historians, anybody who with, with any honesty wants to research it, finds out what we're reading. When you pull up your phone and you, 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 know, you read the Bible on there, you are reading, albeit it's in English, and originally it was written in Greek or Aramaic, right? Uh, or Hebrew. What you're reading is what was written. That's really not in question. And you can just tell people that confidently. Listen, if you take the time to learn this, Much smarter people than all of us have proven this. What we are reading is what was written. The question now is what was written really from God. That's really the only question. It's a faith question, not a question of history. You have a question, Patricia?
1: Not not a question, but just an added piece. Um, There are also documents in other history, other historical things like the Persian history or documents from other ancient cultures they yes. speak to the same things identically like the order of the kings and sure all those things.
0: historical and 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 uh, archaeological discovery as well has confirmed the authenticity of the scriptures that's a whole other discussion i think in a bible study i usually will present what i just said very forcefully i don't mean i don't let people, i mean i was a history major at UCLA i studied the how you know the background of documents And so, right away, it's important to say, listen, what we are reading for sure, it's just not even a question, is what was written. It hasn't been changed. It's just proving. The question we have before us today is, is this from God? And and somebody, maybe you're studying with a skeptic, and and you say, and I want, you know, I'm not going to force that upon you. I want you to figure that out. But you're reading the very things that the first century church read and taught. You're reading the same thing. You get an opportunity to learn and absorb the same material, okay? It's very important that they don't get off track on, Oh, this isn't accurate, you know, it got changed over the years. That's just not true. That's a lie. It has not been changed. So the question now is, what it's saying, is that from God? That's a different question. Okay? And that one, it does take some time. And they gain that faith through their own study of the Scriptures. All right? So let's assume, though, this person, um, you know, has enough knowledge of Jesus they, they, or they take the time to read it. And they, they are inspired by Jesus. They want to follow him. Incidentally for me, it was reading the book of John that convinced me, oh my goodness, I need to follow him. Right? I already knew I wasn't a disciple. We'll get to that study later. I was like, oh, definitely not. But why, why should I be? And it wasn't until reading the book of John that my faith just grew. I realized Jesus really is the Lord. And when people read through the book of John on their own, it's going to inspire them. All right. And they need to read it on their own, because even as we sit here and do the study, it sparks a little energy in them, it gives them some, some faith. But it's when you read on your own, and you take the time to absorb it on your own, that it becomes your convictions. So, let's assume we get to the second Bible study with them, after you've inspired them to read the book of John. You certainly can go through all these verses and inspire them further. Incidentally, let me close. The, the one thing, let me share this. I like the last verse in this study, Matthew eleven. Let's let's read that verse before we go to the speaking God. Somebody read Matthew eleven, verse twenty eight through thirty. Matthew eleven, verse twenty eight through thirty. It's the last verse in the knowing God study. Knowing Jesus study. Okay, Beth, stand up. Uh, Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty eight to thirty.
1: and all of the And you will find where I'm faithful. For my goat is easy and I've burned
0: into life. Amen. Okay. Jesus says for who to come to Him in that verse? Oh. Oh. Yeah, he wants everyone connected to Him. right? He's calling all of us to Him. And interestingly, He says... All of you who are what? Weary and burdened. And people are weary and burdened by life because they haven't got the answers of all the things you mentioned. Peace and relationship and love, or they don't know their purpose. For me, and I usually just share my testimony. I say, you know, I was just wanting to have a, a purpose in my life that was bigger than, than making a lot of money. You know, I, w- I was working as a stockbroker in L.A., just finished my school at UCLA. And I had I had clients and people around me that were very very wealthy, but I saw them still feeling empty. And everyone was running after uh, somebody else's sense of success. And it became clear to me that people people didn't really know why they were living. Yeah. And you got it you got to get vulnerable. Uh, let me also share this. I normally will make sure I confess a little bit of my own sin early on in in sharing. Like I just want them to know I'm human. Like. Like, oh, yeah, I used to, um, you know, here's who I used to be. I used to, you know, live with my girlfriend, or I used to, uh, you know, get drunk. And, and in college, I was a typical fraternity guy. it was very ungodly. I didn't really have a purpose. And I'll, I'll just try to share a little bit of who I, who I used to be and the kind of person I've been over the time. And it kind of helps let down the walls, mm-hmm. all right? mm-hmm. People think when they come to our church and they think, "Oh, these people are so good. Yeah. I could never be like these people." Right? Yeah. So you have to right away just volunteer a little bit of your own dirt. Yeah. All right. As you study the Bible, people volunteer a little bit of who, how messed up you used to be, yes. and even now can be. Right? Say, so, "Hey, I still got yeah. issues." Right? And that that takes the walls down. You remember, you're, you're, you're building a relationship. It takes authenticity and honesty about who you used to be. Alright, All right. So I want to transition now. Uh, Of course, this verse closes with, you know, what does it mean? Take my yoke upon you, you know, take my yoke upon you for my, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, Right. And of course, I like this study. It says, you know, what is a yoke? A yoke is something that that ties you to something else. Right. Uh, Back in the old days, a a big wooden yoke would hold two oxen together so they go in the same direction. And, and whatever you're tied into kind of begins to influence your life. Yeah. You could ask the question, what are some things that sort of are influencing your life? What are some things that are a yoke in your life? Of course, your marriage, if you're married, that's the biggest yoke. You're tied together legally through marriage. That, that influences you. Uh, your job can be a yoke, right? Uh, your roommates can be a yoke. Um, there's many things that can be a, a, a yoke that influences your life. And you want to kind of begin to explore those and, and ask them you know, how, how those things are affecting them and say, okay, Jesus say, saying he has one as well. There is there is a what happens is you get tied into him and it begins to change the way you you're going to live. But it says his is easy and his is light. But there is some responsibility that goes with it. So you want to leave him with, hey, finish reading the book of John and we'll talk more. Now some people, maybe they grew up in a way that they did understand God quite, quite you know, actively, or they understood Jesus, they know about Jesus. And you might want to, instead of doing just a knowing Jesus study, you might want to ask them more about just this concept of seeking God. be honest, either one of these studies can be flip flop. You can do both of them. You should do at least one of them. Uh, you can flip-flop them. You can do the Seeking God one first if you chose, if, if you like that one, and then do Knowing Jesus uh, or vice versa. If they do need to read the book of John or you're not going to get them uh, to become disciples. So at some point, you've got to urge them to know Jesus in that way. Um, a lot of times, though, I will do the Seeking God study. Uh, with a person first, all right? And so I I, I would say to you guys, it's whatever you feel most comfortable you think would help that person. You have to use your wisdom as you hear their background, all right? Use your wisdom. The Seeking God study is also a fantastic Bible study to inspire people. And this is where I'm going to give you your memory scripture for today. But let's go ahead and open up one of the most famous scriptures that all denominations read it all the time. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God's plan for you. All right? So let's have somebody read Jeremiah 29. And this is this is a very inspiring one for somebody who maybe already had grown up going to church and they know about Jesus and they've heard about Jesus, but they get discouraged. A lot of people, religion just makes them want to quit on God. They feel like, oh man, I haven't liked my religious experience. And this, this study is designed to kind of Bring them out of that a little bit. Open their eyes and get them to want to speak a little more. So let me get another reader. Okay, Art, stand up. Read Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 14. I know the plans I have. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. Patricia's on. I said, Art,
2: no problem. But you can read the next one. For another I have been to you, for the plans <laughs> to prosper you, and Dr. to come to both then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, because the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations and <coughs> places where I have banished you, because the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile.
0: Awesome. Okay. So he says, in that verse, something very inspiring. He says that, I know the plans I have for you. Right? He says, I I know the plans. He's been thinking about you. Right? God's been thinking about you. And again, as you teach people, you want to inspire them. You want to engage them and and encourage them. And it it says here, of course, this was for the, the Israelites that had been in exile. And it says... If they had, uh, if God had great plans for them, what do you think His plans are for you? And that's a great question. Can, what are God's plans for you? All right, so let me ask you guys: What do you think God's plans are for you today? What are His plans? What are His plans? Just, just get a little feedback from you guys. What are His? What are His dreams for you personally? Give me, a, give me just in one sentence. What do you think, Beth? think God
1: wants us to serve Him and love Him with our whole heart and serve people. Okay. Serve way, like,
0: yes. Awesome. Yes.
1: Prosperity even in and not Even more. Even greater mm-hmm. things. Even mm-hmm. Like that.
2: So what about what you in here? What else? What's a, what's a dream, Sahih? What do you think his dream for you is? Uh, to be a light in, a, in the young professional community. Because I know that our generation is very ambitiously I mean, lost. So I think to be that light to show that there is another person, that there's something greater than just get, get, get.
0: Okay. Yes. There's a mission for people not just to be uh, their own, uh, the glory going all to themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who else? Tracy. Who wants to be? He wants us to be saved. Okay, that's a deep question. Meaning he wants us to be in a right relationship with him. Uh, He really does. He has a dream. He says to give you hope, right, in the verse, and a future. So I I like to ask people, what is your hope? What's your hope right now? A lot of times, people's hope is related to much more practical stuff. Man, I need to get this job, or I need no. my 500 bucks to get my car paid. I mean, people have very practical hopes. And, and here's the thing. This is very important. We're trying to convert and change their whole life. You do need to know the nuts and bolts of what's going on in their life. What is your hope? Oh, you can't make your car paint. Why? Tell me about it that's how we help people. We don't just help people by filling their, their mind with biblical knowledge. Yeah. we got to know their life. Oh, well, how come you can't make your car payment? What's going on? And I want to urge you, that's part of, of changing and discipling. You begin to disciple people and help them right away. You begin to love them and engage in their life right away. And so if they are having issues, whatever it might be, maybe there's a, a boyfriend or girlfriend issue. Maybe there's a relative issue. Maybe their mother is really sick. And they just, need a, they just need compassion. That's how you're going to be able to get the Word of God to affect them, is when you take the time to really hear, hey, what are your hopes? And then you engage them a little bit here. And I want to urge you, um, you don't want to get too bogged down and lose sight of the study, but you also don't want to just lose sight of the person's life and how the Scripture applies to it. So as we're talking to people, you you got you to gotta know what their issues are. And I want to urge you, if we're going to actually make a disciple... You're gonna have to you're gonna have to do more than just meet them for a Bible study. You're gonna to have to meet them in their life where they're at. Maybe their mom's in the hospital. Maybe you'll go with them. Go visit. Maybe th- they need help financially. Maybe you can figure out a way to help them get another client or help them and you know, I, I, many people I you know, I ended up signing up for insurance or whatever, just trying to help them. I, mean, I do whatever I can to help them. I'm, like, I'm connecting. I I, I wanna love them. Not irresponsibly, but you, but you figure out a way, and I, you know, and I don't just give away. I'm not just giving away stuff. I want them to learn appreciation, but I do want them to, um, to know I care about them more than just them being a member of the church. I want them to know I care about them, and that that speaks volumes. Okay, so you know he has he has dreams to give them hope in the future. Almost everyone loves knowing God has a dream for their life. You can say, okay, what are your hopes and what are your dreams? And people have all kinds of dreams, and it's love to. It, they love. To, people love talking about themselves, by the way. Yeah. So, as you do this study, you want to ask questions. Yeah. Right, you want to ask a lot of questions. My favorite verse, and this is the memory verse, okay, for this week, is Acts 17. Let's go to the next verse in the Seeking God study. Mm-hmm. Acts 17, verse 26 through 28 is the, the memory verse. But I'd like to pick up in verse uh, 24 for, for this. You, I'll, I'll only quiz you on verse 26 through 28, because that's what's on the, the notes right there. All right? So I'll write that down. This is going to be your, your memory verse. Acts 17. Oops. Acts 17, verse uh, 26 through 28. But I want to have somebody start reading, I believe it's verse 24, has uh, the beginning of the chapter, I believe. The beginning of the paragraph. Am I right? Okay, so
2: somebody start in verse 24. And read <coughs> the verse. Okay, Zahid, go ahead. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in the temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives, you, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their hands, plants. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own gods have said, we are his offspring. Awesome. Man, I love this verse.
0: If you ever want to do just one verse of a Bible study with somebody, if you only have time for one verse, I I always read this one. It's my favorite one. Because it just sets the whole table. Paul's in this, you know, he's in Athens. And if you read the, you know, the paragraph before that, he sees that they're worshiping. They have statues. They even have one statue to an unknown God. because they know God's there, but they don't know enough about him. And he's like, I'm gonna to explain to you who God really is. And so this verse is this is very relatable to American culture. We have all these different viewpoints of who God is. And I recommend it. So if you ever want to have like a go out and do do a Bible study, on the spot Bible study. Can't students do that sometimes. On the spot Bible studies, this is the verse I would do. And then uh, there's lots of ways you could ask questions here, but you know, and if you get down to verse twenty-six, it says that he determines, right, he marks out the times and places. The old NIV said it even clearer. Anybody have an old NIV Bible on them? Uh, okay, Francine, read it. Read your verse 26. This is before 2011. This is before 2011. They changed it in 2011. Go
1: Go 26, right? From one man who made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Okay.
0: Yes. Okay. Right. And of course, in the Greek, there is some room to, Greek words, uh, a lot of times there's not one English word that translates to a Greek word, just like in Spanish. There's sometimes not one English word that translates from Spanish, right? And if you speak Spanish, you know that. So that's why there's some variation as you're getting the Greek into English. And, And therefore, you know, it was written in Greek, and it's helpful to have multiple versions in English. It shouldn't cause us a problem, but it helps us understand it more thoroughly. I love that verse in, in the pre, pre-19, 2011.
1: Yeah. But maybe I think
0: a translators thought they were, were reaching. They were saying too much. And, and I think they might have been right. I think it was a little too... It was almost saying like God determines your exact times and steps. Whereas the verse, the actual Greek is more... He, he marks out your times and places. There's a... In a sense, that verse is saying that, that God... He has allowed you to live at such a time as this, and in such a place as this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, there's freedom in that. But He has allowed you to to live right now. And I always bring that that verse down into uh, relating it to right where I'm at. Like, hey, how did we meet? Oh, we met because you showed up in church. Or we met because I met you at the coffee shop. Do you think that happened by chance? You mm-hmm. want to ask? You know, do you think things happen for a reason? Yeah. Why or why not, right? You want to get them talking. Do you think things happen for a reason? What do you mean? And, of course, most people do believe things happen for a reason. They don't think everything's just totally random. We have a sense of order, and in our nature, we believe things do happen for a reason. The circumstances and relationships get connected for a reason. And I usually like to bring that into... um, they're, they're, the fact that they're just sitting right in front of me, right there. Do you think, do you think it's just by chance that we ended up here? And i like to re, recap cap how that ended up happening. And then i like to share, you know, uh, my, my, man, my mission in life is to help people change the world, is to help people find God. And somebody met me out of the blue, and I often share the story with this guy Sutton that I mentioned. He was down on the beach in Manhattan <laughs> Beach, and he was out just sharing his faith. Asking people if they would like to come to his local Bible discussion, I happened to be out on the beach with a friend, and he stopped me, and the first thing he asked me was, do you ever think of God? And I go, yeah, I have. Then I said, "What do you do for?" I was a stockbroker, so I'm looking for clients. So I had that- <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, "I'm a doctor." And he invited me to Bible. Time. I said, "Well, what, what do you do for a living?" He goes, well, "I'm a doctor." I go, "I was thinking doctors end up making a lot of money." <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll come to Bible talk. But I was also <laughs> interested <laughs> sorry,
1: sorry. a little
0: bit. He got my phone number. If he hadn't done that, right, and then followed up with me, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't. I mean, you, you know, the ripple effect of life. I wouldn't have my two children, three children. You, things wouldn't have happened the way they would. And so it's incredible to think God's working in your life. He so he's arranged, and the person who's with you, maybe they're in, in the middle of a tragedy. And you want to help them realize things happen for a reason. And then it, it says in that very verse what the reason is. Okay, what does it say? What's the reason? And, you gotta, and, and what happens is when people study the Bible, they like to get the answers from their own head. Direct them. What does the Bible say? Have them look at the verse. Go, go back. What does it say? What does it say? Why did He arrange those times and places? Why did He mark out the times so that perhaps what? And then you have them read that, right? What does it say in there, Patrice? Oh, oh.
1: God did this so that you would seek Him and perhaps reach out <coughs> for Him and find Him.
0: No,
1: He is not far from anyone.
0: Yes, yes. He did it so that you would seek. So, tragedies, circumstances in life, wherever you are, God did it for a reason, so that you would seek Him. And then the verse says, perhaps, so that you'd perhaps. So, is He forcing you to find Him? And then you could ask the question, do you ever think that God, you know, church, church or Christianity is a controlling controlling endeavor? And most people will be like, yeah, it's all about what you can't do. But see, no, God, God doesn't want to control you. He wants to reach out to you, just like just like a relationship it has to be your choice. God wants you to make a choice to seek Him, Amen. And of course, He says He's not far from each one of us, right? He's, he's nearby. He's a, he uses even the poets of that day in that verse, and He's nearby. He wants you to. He's accessible to all of us. All right. So how do we seek God? Let's go ahead and read Psalm uh, 42, verse one. Somebody stand up, Bailey. Psalm 42, verse one and two. Stand up. Psalm 42 at one of our teens. <coughs>
1: yeah, verse 1 and 2.
0: Okay. As a soul of ant- for streams of water, I mean, as a zeal can answer streams of water. So my soul pants for you, right? God wants us to be near Him. He wants us to yearn for Him. He wants us to thirst for him. He wants us to desire to have Him in our hearts. And in that verse, it says, you know, how, you know, how can we be near God, right? How do you think, in a practical sense, you want to ask the person, you know, how do you think you can be near God? What's it going to take? Right? What's going to satisfy you? What What is needed for you to be near God? And ultimately, they're going to need to dig into the Word of God. They need to spend time alone with God. And I also like to ask them, like, uh, Who's your best friend? And then ask them, well, How often do you spend time with them? Or do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? You know, or you have a husband or a wife? Yeah. How often? You know, what helps you feel close to them? In the same way, that's going to, if it's spending time with them, whatever the love love language is. You've got to communicate and connect to feel close to somebody. And so for them to know God better, they're going to have to seek him out, right? They're going to have to yearn for him and spend time with him, all right? So that's obviously the the, the verse. Any questions about this? Anyone want to add? What Maybe some of you here have a little trick to help somebody want to study the Bible. Any question you've ever asked or anything you've ever done to help somebody really be inspired to, to dig into the word more? Have you, how many of you guys have a special place where you find time with God? Any of you guys? Okay. I live now up in the uh, backside of Culver City to the top of the Culver Stairs. And, you know, you want to help them realize getting connected to God is not just reading. Sometimes you find a location. And I want to urge you, if you really want to help your friend become, take them, pray, pray with them. Take them to an inspiring location. Uh, the Culver Stairs is a great place. the Hollywood sign, right? And look over to L.A. City. Even if it's for like a five-minute prayer, I prayed with this one guy up in the Botanic Gardens out in the Inland Empire. And we prayed together. And He just wanted to spend time with me. And and this is a guy actually who uh, had grown up in the church. But he had never... uh, He actually became a a disciple of the team, but I don't think he really ever was when he left. He was really worldly. But he prayed with me for a whole hour. After he sat and just prayed in this location, as we connected with God together and he listened, his heart just... Even during the prayer, when he started to pray, he started weeping. And it just, God got him. God connected with him. There's something about experiencing God that's going to move the heart. Matthew chapter 6. All right, let's go to this one. This is one we're all really familiar with as well. Matthew 6, verse 25. And, um, of course, this one talks about not being. For time's sake, let's fast forward down to the, uh, the verse that talks about uh, you first. All right. I think that's verse, uh, 32 or three. Somebody go to that for me. Matthew chapter six. All right. And let's go down to the bottom, but we're not going to read the whole thing. I would certainly read the whole thing. It's good for them to see, not to be anxious, but Jason, go ahead. You want to ask, what does that mean? What does it mean to seek first his kingdom? And a lot of people think it just means going to church, but it means more than that, right? It means a lot more than that. But the other issue is people have trouble with their priorities in life. Some people think, oh, so I got to make church a priority in my life? But that verse doesn't just say seek first his kingdom, it says and his righteousness, it doesn't say or his righteousness. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. By implication, you can do both. You can have a life of holiness, and you can have a time of connecting into God's kingdom, making it a priority. And you want to urge them that they're going to need to seek God with an effort, a commitment. And actually, I I did forget to tell you this from the Jeremiah verse. Now it recurs. the Jeremiah verse. Okay, go back to your notes. The Jeremiah verse you want to make this point. In Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine, I forgot to say this is very important. You always want to show them that it says, "You will seek me and find me." In that verse, when you seek me, how? All your heart. All All your heart. heart. You guys know that, okay? So if you got you got to remind them that there's, a, there's a, a God won't be found if you're only half-hearted. All right. He, he won't be found if you, if you don't really give it all you've got. But if you give it all you've got, he says, you'll seek me and find me if, if you seek with all your heart. All, right? all your heart, right? And if you prioritize it, he says, then everything else will be added to you. Okay, Patricia, Don, you get to read the last verse. You get to read it. Stand up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Matthew
1: 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. seeks, the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door
0: will be Awesome. You could backtrack on this verse back to the first verse from Jeremiah 29. Again, what I just mentioned, this idea of seeking with all your heart. So you see God's promises. If you really seek Him. if you really, if you really go out of your way, He's gonna let you find. He's gonna let you find Him. And when you knock, the door will be open. Something's gonna happen. So you want to then ask the question, okay, what will, what would seeking God with all your heart, or what would seeking God and really knocking on the door, what would that look like for you? And you want to ask them, you know, you want to get them to engage a little bit. What, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, one Bible study a week? Bible studies a week, what does that mean? You, you wanna you want to lead them down the path of of seeing where their faith is at. And you want to urge them to say you're gonna get as much out of this as you put into it. Right? And you wanna I usually let them know I say, Hey, listen, I'm here to help you. I don't want them to feel weirded out or pressured, like let's meet tomorrow again for an hour and two hours every single day, unless they're willing. <clears throat> Otherwise you do wanna you do want to understand their life is complex. And you, you, you want to run with them as fast as they want to run and give them a little push, but not too hard to push. You give them too hard to push, you, can, you know, they're just people they, they get um, anxious and they, they feel awkward and they're not ready. God is foreign to them. And so you, you, you need to be wise. You want to use wisdom and, and, uh, and tact as you go about studying the Bible with people. Amen? Um, you don't want to leave the study, though. As you ask them, hey, what would Seeking God look for you? You want to remind them of the homework? Uh, If I didn't do the knowing, even if I didn't do the knowing Jesus study, I'll still ask them to read the book of John after the Seeking God study. Because I just think it's so healthy. If they want to know him, they need to do it. And you certainly can set up the next study. You can do, like I said, you can flip-flop both of these studies. Both of them are great to do. Whatever one you feel most comfortable doing first. All right? They're great introductions to it. Uh, you could com- sandwich them together like we did today in about an hour. We looked through most of this material. And this is springboarding them. But they, their homework has got to be to read on their own. All right? And then if you hand-wrote all these verses out, or you could even type them in the phone and text them to them. All right? Maybe they do everything on their iPad now. You want to ask them to review those notes before you get together again. And then ask them to set up a time and location for another study. That's really important. Hey, when can you meet again? You know, when, when are you available? Nowadays, with texting and how we communicate, we're very easy to just sort of not worry about that. And, and I would say it's not, quite as, it's not quite as bad in the old days. And without phones, you, if you didn't set up a time and place, you, you don't know when you'll see the person again. Or at least, you know, the landlines, you you weren't always around one, so So it's hard to connect. Nowadays, we do connect really fast, so I don't think it's as urgent, but it is responsible to set up a time and location. People also are very flaky in our culture, and they'll blow you off really easily if you you give them, you know, room to do that. (laughs) Hey, I'll check in with you. Well, you may not respond for, like, a while. So it's very helpful... You you, you want to begin to train people's character and show them that you have integrity, you care about them, this is important, and you'll invest some time in them. So by setting up another time and location right away, it provides a couple of things. For one, it's going to move the Bible study forward. Number two, let's assume they can't make it. Then to be responsible, they have to call you up later, tell you why, and hopefully you can reschedule, which produces relational connections. They're showing responsibility to you. They care about you. They respect you. You, sh- you. you make time for them. They make time for you. This is how we make disciples. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. All right. So um, the homework assignment for you guys between now and next week is to uh, review this. See- I'm going to quiz you on the, uh, the Seeking God study. Okay, Seeking God study went through all the verses. I'm going to have a quiz on the Seeking God study. And then uh, definitely this memory verse is going to be in the quiz. All right? And then one wild card question. Could be anything that I said today. Okay? Anything. Anything that got said, and I'll I'll have the three questions. Next week's lesson will be done by, I believe, Todd. Um, Yeah, Todd is teaching next week's lesson on uh, discipleship, or uh, the Word of God, rather. Okay? So he's doing the Word of God. He's going to train you on the Word of God. I will give him the quiz. And the quiz will just be. You, you know, fill it out. Pass it to your neighbor. Your neighbor will grade it, and we'll see how you did right there on, on the spot. All right? But I do want to hold you accountable to learn the material. Uh, and then, of course, you close out the Bible study uh, with a prayer. And you can always ask the person, would you like to pray? And a lot of people are like, don't want to pray. But you want to give them the opportunity. Okay. Question? What's that? The oh, the homework. The homework for you is review the Seeking God notes. Okay? Review the Seeking God notes. Make sure you... You've you got to memorize Acts 17, 26 to 28. Okay, this is your memory scripture. Acts 17, 26 to 28 is your memory scripture. And then the other, you really won't be able to study for it other than review the Knowing God study. And just if you took notes today, review the things I said. I'll, I'll get the audio put up online if you want to hear that. And I'm just going to ask one question about something I said. You should get it from Common Sense if you paid attention today. <laughs> You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit the Westsidechurch.com, or LAICC.net.